Hello. How are you guys doing? So I apologize that it's me and not Tim today. <laughs> Don't apologize. <laughs> I know you're coming here expecting to see Tim. <laughs> and, and hear his word. I, I get blessed every week that I come here and I, I look forward to the, the message that he brings. And, you know, I will say um, there are a lot of preachers out there, a lot of like famous preachers, and they might be like charismatic and have like these great videos and a lot of followers. But what I always tell Tim when we're sitting, when he speaks, like God is talking directly to him and through him, right? There's a lot of, I call it a lot of meat uh, on the bone when he speaks. A lot of these other preachers may have a lot of flash, right? But I, I love hearing him speak um, just because he brings a lot of substance. And so I, I hope that I can bring some substance to you today. Um, it's funny, you know, after, for those of you who don't know, last weekend, Jinky and I got married. And <laughs> there were two gifts that we got. And two gifts that we got had this verse on it. And it was Joshua 24, 15. If you know it, it's where Joshua is speaking after he took over from Moses, right? And he's talking to the Israelites about they're in this new land. And when they got there, there was these gods that, that people were serving. And he, he basically told them, listen, you have a choice. You can either serve the gods that were already here or you can serve the, the one true God in heaven. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, Right? And uh, it's funny because I was, I was already thinking about this, and when we got it, it's like, you know, providence <laughs> that we got that. So um, what I want to talk to you today, like the title is Living on Purpose, right? So we believe being children of God, being followers of God, there's, there's no such thing as an accident. There's no such thing as coincidence. Everything is on purpose. You know, all things work together uh, for those who, who love the Lord. And so the fact that you're here, there's no child that's an accident. It might not have been planned, but it was not, it was not an accident. Um, and that life was, was, was not an accident. And um, right from the beginning, if we look at Genesis 3, verses 1 to 6, uh, we're familiar with this story. Uh, the serpent draws attention to God's words, and the serpent twists God's words, right? So it's that very first introduction after God made all of creation. It's a perfect paradise, right? It's a perfect world. And this is the first time we see that something that was not meant to be, right? Um, and it's when the, the serpent is talking, and it, uh, it says to Eve, didn't God say that you're allowed to eat of any fruit, right? It starts to talk to Eve, and... Adam and Eve, they had this, this paradise that they lived in. God provided everything for them. But then there's this doubt that was introduced into it, right? And if you look at our situations today, if you look at your lives in the past, like just the fact that you're sitting here, think of all the things that, that God has done for you, all the things that have worked out for you, right? That things that you didn't think it was maybe a mistake at that time, right? Things that, uh, that you, you didn't plan for, but God planned for it. Mm -hmm. And all those things work together, and he made those things work perfectly together. Some situations you thought, oh, how could this happen to me? What am I going to do now? But it was like the best thing that happened to you, right? Because it, it worked out to bring you to where you are today. Um, so Eve had this choice. I could look at what God did for me, 
Adam and Eve, both of them, it wasn't just Eve alone, right? Because Adam took the fruit too. But they, they both had a choice. Look at what God has done for me and trust on that and rely on that. Or listen to what this serpent says. Turn away from God. And he's saying, listen, don't, you don't have to trust God's right and wrong. If you eat this, you can know right and wrong for yourself. You don't need him. And when we look at the world that we're in, you know, a lot of times we, we look at what God has done and, and we see all these things, but still we don't trust uh, what he has for us, right? There's a situation and it's either, okay, I can earn this extra money, but I have to work every Saturday and I never get to see, right, my, spend time with my spiritual family, but it's a really good job and I'm not going to have this opportunity again, mm. right? And we choose these things and it might not just be a job. There's, there's a lot of things. I, I can choose this relationship because I've been lonely for so long and I choose this relationship, but it's not with a good person. It's with someone who doesn't believe in God and doesn't want me to go to church and doesn't want to do Bible studies and, and ridicules who, who God is, right? And it's, do I want to be lonely, right? And I'll just go to church or do I want to be with someone? Do I want to feel loved, right? So you're, you're presented with these choices all the time and um, sometimes it, it's easy. I'm not going to say that uh, it's... It's an easy choice to choose God because it does seem easier to choose um, what the world is offering. Uh, if we look at Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this is like one of the basic choices that we have today, especially living in North America, it's a consumeristic world that we live in, especially now we can see it Christmas time. Who's already started their Christmas shopping, right? <laughs> Done. <laughs> I know I've been down to the States for like Black Friday as well, and it's, it's very uh, easy to get caught up uh, in this consumeristic lifestyle because Everything that we're bombarded with, everything around us is showing us that you need this. You need the new um, Apple iPhone. I don't even know what version it is now. 11. 11 XR. And then you need the, it's not the AirPods. I found this out. There's like this AirPod Pro. Because yes. <laughs> Yana was asking for AirPods. And I thought there was only one AirPods. I'm like, no, there's this Pro. It's like, no, you don't need the Pro. The AirPods is good enough for you, <laughs> right? But you're, they're trying to convince you that, that you need all of these things. You need to have a, a nicer car and better vacation, and, and you have to own a home. You, um, it's not good enough to, to rent a home. You have to own, right? And so the, the pull of this world, if you turn away from God and you look at these, the things of this world, it's very easy. In, in Matthew 7, 13 to 14, it's the verse that says, um, wide and broad is the path that leads to destruction, right? But narrow is the gate that leads to life. Narrow is the gate, which means it's hard to go through. It's very easy for you to be like the rest of the world and say, I see that he has, you know, a really nice suit and he has a car and, you know, that's the job that he's doing and that's, that's what he's doing to get it. I want to do those, that too because I want to live that lifestyle. Because it's, it's an easy lifestyle, right? Following the way of, of, of Christ, it's the right thing to do. It's not always the easiest, right? His, his yoke is easy, the burden is light, but it's not an easy decision to follow him. Because if you look at what everybody else is doing, if you decide and you say, I want to live a life of Christ, 
There are some people that will ridicule you and say, what, you don't believe in evolution? You believe in these fairy tales, these mythical God that you know, doesn't even exist, right? There are people, especially now, that will ridicule you. Um, and it's, it's not you know, the easiest thing to follow. But um, when we look at Revelation 3 verse 20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So God is standing at the door and he's calling you right now, right? So when you, you standing here today, some of you may have heard his voice, right? If you listen, you'll, you'll hear it because I guarantee He's tried to reach every single person uh, in this room today, right? He's calling all of you. But the thing is, if you were sleeping at the middle of the night and you heard this loud knocking on the door and someone says, hey, open up. <laughs> you don't recognize the voice. Are you going to open that door? <laughs> open up. I want to come in and eat something with you. <laughs> Who is that, right? But if you hear the knocking and you hear, oh, that's Tim. I know his voice, right? <laughs> Tim is hungry. Yeah, come inside, right? Because you know what Tim's voice sounds like. You're going to invite him in. Yeah. He's, Tim's trying to disguise his voice, but oh, he's just joking. I know it's really him, right? <laughs> so when, when you look at the world and you look at what Jesus is, is calling you to do, because he's standing there and he's knocking at the door and he's inviting you know, he's, he's asking if, if he can come in. If you don't know his voice, if you can't hear him, right, and distinguish that he's the one who's calling you, you don't know, maybe that job is for me because there's a purpose in that job, that people that I need to reach, right? I'm not doing this job for the money. I'm doing this for the opportunity because I can see that these people here need me. There's this opportunity to go there. This job is making me move to Philadelphia, and I know that there's a need in that community over there, right? And I always questioned before because I know my sister, she lived in Chicago, she lived in Alberta, she lived in BC, she moved to Oshawa now, right? And she went all these places. And I would always wonder, how do you know that it's God calling you, right? The only way to know is to spend time with him, right? Read his word and know his voice. So that when he does call, you can answer the door, right? That you can invite him in to you because not knowing, if it's a strange voice to you, I have no idea if that's God or not. I don't know if that's my selfish desires or if I don't know if, if God is calling me and leading me to something greater, something that I'm scared to do. It might be scary, a scary voice, but it's God's voice because you know what? That falls in line. I was reading this verse and that's, you know, it's providence because this is what I was studying. This is what I was reading about and this is what I'm being called to do now. So it must be him. It must be him, right? But the only way to know uh, know if it's him is to know the, the person who's calling you know have that relationship with God uh, Yeah, you know just a cool thing that you were talking about earlier with Eve and the serpent um, Knowing God's voice right like she knew what God said Right, but then there comes this other voice of the serpent still using God's words mm -hmm. and twisting it yeah. right so how well did she really know God's voice and like you were saying, spending time with God and knowing, you know, where he's leading, what, what he's about. Um, so even this, sometimes it's easy to say, okay, it's God's voice that's calling me, or it's something else that might be calling me, 
but much of the time, just like Eve, she leaned on her own understanding. It wasn't even the serpent's voice. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what am I hearing more? Is it God's voice or is it my own voice or the voice I want to hear? You know, yeah, so being mindful sometimes it's even inside us. It's not, we can't always blame somebody else yeah. for pulling us away from God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's what you have to be really careful for. Because with that same example, when Jesus was at his weakest after fasting, the devil didn't just come out with pure lies. He used the word of God, right? He used it to try and he used God's own word to try and deceive his son. But he knew the will of his father so intimately well that he knew when it was being corrupted, right? And so when people try and use the word against you, whoa, doesn't the Bible say this, doesn't say that, right? You have to know God's word better <laughs> to be able to discern, right? And not just the words that he's using, but his tone, his message to you, because he has a very specific message for your life, for the purpose of what he wants uh, for your life, right? And... Um, I want you to always remember that, you know, sometimes we think, okay, so I'm sitting here and I have the choice. Um, am I going to follow God? Am I going to, you know, follow the ways of this world? I don't know what to do. Um, think back to these verses that we use here a lot. Uh, one is John 15, verse 16, and this is the verse that says, um, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then in Ephesians 1 verse 4, it's uh, before the foundation of the world, right? God chose you before the foundation of the world. So it's not when you were born, it's not when you decided to become a Christian, it's not because of these good things that you've done, you've done. okay, so I've, I've um, done these food uh, charity drives and I've been to these Bible studies, so now God is calling me. Long before your great-great-grandparents were born, right, before they were conceived or even thought of, before the foundation of the world, God chose you, right? And that's why you do have a purpose that you're here today. It's not by accident that you had this message that you, that you heard. Um, someone said something somewhere along the way that brought you here, but your choice to come here was not an accident. This was predestined. This was set long, long time ago. Um, God chose you. He chose his people to be a royal priesthood, right? He chose us all um, to be here. So uh, when we have this choice, right, in our lives, we go through and we have this choice. And uh, I liken it to like the marriage that, you know, you guys just witnessed last week. So when you get married, there's this point, you know, most typical vows, it's like, do you take this woman? Do you take this man? Yes, I do. I do. Right. And they make this commitment to each other. Now, that's great. That's the first day everybody's happy. Everybody's celebrating. What happens on day two? Right. Do you forget the vows that you did? Right? Does it mean anything? Like, if it doesn't mean anything, and okay, I made the vow for that day, but that was yesterday. You know, this is a week later, right? I don't need to keep those vows. I already said yes once. I don't need to say yes again, right? <laughs> so the difference between, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the difference between choice and commitment is making that choice constantly and consistently over and over again. Once you choose Jesus, right? Because it's easy. There's a lot of people, many, many people out there that you look 
that, you know, they, they decided, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to Christ, right? And then things get hard, and it's like that seed that was thrown on, on the pavement, right? It doesn't have its deep roots. And the commitment was there for a short time, but then after that, got scorched up by the sun, right? So the commitment is about making that, that daily commitment, that daily sacrifice, daily denying yourself, daily choosing to be with God. So in the Synoptic Gospels, um, he said this, you know, it, we, we read this three times where, where Christ said, um, take up your cross and follow me. I like the, the Luke version because the Luke version adds that word in daily. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Really quickly, well, so what's a disciple? follower right so if you want to be a follower of Christ it means that it's it's making that choice that choice that we had from the very beginning that I want to follow Christ but then the next day you say I do and then the next day you say I do again and then the day following and the day following that it's constantly consistently giving up uh, things that you want for yourself in order to commit to God's purpose right um, commitment is making the same choice constantly and consistently. When you love someone or something, you make a conscious effort of selflessness. So when you, when you commit to someone, when you're in a marriage or when you're committing to God, right, there's these selfless acts that you do because if you're always thinking about yourself, right, do you really commit to that person? Do you really love that other person that you're with? How can you commit to God if everything that you do is selfish, right? Um, it, it's, it's impossible to make that choice to say that you, um, you're committed to God, but you don't love him, right? You're not making that choice to follow him. Um, commitment, so when you think about it, so marriage is this culmination, but it's not the end. We always say that. It's like a baptism, right? It's the beginning of something, right? But even though it's at the beginning, it's in response. So when you commit to Christ, when you commit to another person, you've spent time with them. Right? So you know God's voice. He's speaking to you. Right? And after all you've seen that what he's done for your life, I look at that, the things that he's done, and I say, yes, I'm ready to commit. Commitment is your response to God's love for you. Right? To what he's done for you. And that's how you're ready to commit. Because imagine that you, you went into this relationship. You go into a relationship, and the person is you know, they don't keep their word. They say, okay, let's go out next Wednesday, and then they don't show up. Oh, sorry, sorry, babe, I was busy. I had to work, right? And then, oh, I forgot that it was your birthday. You know, I showed up, but I forgot to get you a gift, right? Um, if that person is showing this track record uh, of basically not caring about you, making selfish decisions, would you want to commit? You know, all of a sudden, they say, okay, I know I forgot your birthday, but it's a special day, and I want to propose to you. I forgot to buy the ring, but I do have it. I promise that I'm gonna get it, right? So will you marry me, right? Like if this is what's being proposed to you, are you gonna say yes to that commitment? Probably not, right? So when you do commit, it's because you've been in that relationship, you understand that person well enough that you say yes, okay, I've decided for the rest of my life, I'm committed to this person. So when we say yes to God, it's because it's in response, because God first loved us, right? 
not that we love God, but He first loved us, and in response to His love for us, that's why we obey, that's why we follow, that's why we have faith, that's why we do the things, because we've already seen what He's done in our lives, and it's easy to commit to a God that we know loves us, right, and cares for us. All right, one quick thing on what you're talking about here with commitment. I noticed in your handout you talked about daily devotion. And uh, devotion being so much more than just, you know, reading your Bible, putting a few minutes in. But, I mean, if, it, if that devotional time with God is such a burden, mm -hmm. you know, then it's like, am I really committed? Do I want to spend time with God? You know, so that devotion that we show, like commitment, what you're talking about, it's like a, a, choice, of, a choice of devoting yourself mm -hmm. to something or somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, which we do... I'm glad you reminded me because we do talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and talking about the sidebar, you know, the reason I came up with this study is I was thinking of my own life and my own personal journey. And I'll share with you one of my downfalls this year. And I'll freely admit, I have not been as dedicated to following God as in years past. I have not read my Bible as much. I have not gone to access groups as, as much, right? I haven't studied his word as much as, as I used to. And when I looked at the time that I was spending, right? If I look throughout, I've spent time watching shows on Netflix, watching a, a Raptors game here and there, right? Um, spent time on Facebook and Reddit, like reading these articles, like online articles and stuff like that. But then when I looked at how much time am I dedicating to God, right? If you're in a relationship with someone else, but you're spending no time with them, how can you say that you love them if you're not giving them any of your time? Because I know what Uncle Manny always says, we always reminded, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E, right? It's with time. And so if you're not spending the time, this daily devotion with God, how can you say that you love him? So I made a conscious effort. I know that we're not yet into the new year, but I like to, I don't know, for some reason, I like starting my resolutions in December to kind of get a head start. <laughs> and so what I did, I got this, this brand new Bible for the, for the wedding. And one thing that they said, which I really like, which I, I recommend, if there are other people there that want to take this journey with me, um, it's talking about spending uh, time every day. So what I'm doing, what I started to do this week already, is First uh, John right? There's five chapters in there. And every night I read all five chapters, right? And I go over the, the themes and the text. And a lot of, you'll see First John is in a, a bunch of verses are actually in here. And a lot of what, you know, came to me was from First John. It's talking about loving one another and being able to test yourself, right? But uh, for 30 days, I'm going to read First John every single day. And there was one night during this week where it was already late. It was 11 o'clock at night and I was tired. Jinky already went to sleep. I said, you know what? I've gone through this and I'm really tired, but I'm going to still read. So I went on my phone instead of the Bible, but I read through and it only took me 15 or 20 minutes, right? 15 or 20 minutes. And I was able to go to uh, fall asleep, like meditating on his word. But imagine you spend 15, 20 minutes every single day, like each month and you go through a book. And if you have a bigger, bigger book, then you could break it up. But by the end of that 30 days, imagine how intimately well you will know that book in God's word, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, like, if you follow this, this procedure, in three years, 
three <laughs> years, you, you will have gone through the entirety of the New Testament, right? And for me, I get goosebumps thinking of in three years, I can have, you know, this, this knowledge and, you know, being able to keep his word on my heart. But it's not, again, it's not the wide road. It's the narrow gate, right? It's a hard decision, but it, it means like giving something up. And I'm not sure if I actually remember to do that later on, but we'll see if I remembered. If not, I'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Um, so I want to, when, when I was uh, reading this verse about Luke and it said daily, you know, I thought, you know what? Daily is not enough. And that's why 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18 came to mind. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So again, this is a verse that we've gone through many, many times. But you know what I liked about this verse? Rejoice how often? Always. Always. Pray continually. continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. all circumstances. So reading this, like all three of those, is there a time where we stop rejoicing? No. Is there a time where we stop praying no. or giving thanks? No. no. So it's not a daily, it's not like the I do that you say at the beginning of the wedding. So you don't, you know, do your daily devotion. Okay, I'm done. Right? <laughs> I spent my 15 minutes. I read First John. I already did it. I'm done for the day. Right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a moment by moment activity. Right? How long can you go without breathing? How long can you hold your breath? Right? <laughs> couple seconds right no longer than two minutes if you really really practice maybe two minutes you know like these deep sea drivers but there's a reason why they're called breath prayers because breath the breath of life that's what uh god uh, gives to us right the holy spirit is is that that breath of life and how long can you survive without breath right and that's how often we should be in communication with god praying continually right um constantly always in all circumstances this should be every time that you breathe right when you stop and you're in a moment where you're getting frustrated and you're getting angry at other people um, you're getting mad at the other drivers or someone cut in front of you in line while you're trying to shop right as you're breathing heavy and you're getting you know mad just remember as you're breathing that should not be a breath of anger that should be a breath of prayer right to remind yourself constantly continually Keep in contact with God, not just day by day, but moment by moment, be connected to him. Right. Um, and that kind of leads us to this next point in John 15, verse four to five. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from me, you can do nothing, which means if you take a branch and you cut it off the vine and you put it on the counter, how much fruit is going to grow from there? Nothing, right? But when that branch is connected to the vine, what does the, that branch have to do to grow fruit? Does it have to think really hard? pray and like what does it have to do to bear fruit nothing just stay connected get fed 
from the, the vine, right? It gets fed the nutrients, it takes in the sunlight, right? It takes in the oxygen, it takes in all these things, and it bears fruit, right? Naturally, this happens. So when you're connected to God, when you're in these um, day by day denying yourself, you're staying connected moment by moment, right? You will bear fruit, right? That's the whole purpose of being connected. It's not just for yourself so that you can keep all those nutrients and, and keep it in. It's so that you can bear fruit and others can enjoy, right? Um, and enjoy that fruit. It's about um, being connected so that we can, you know, spread the, the fruit around. Um, what does it look like to be connected? I mean, like, we, we talk about it a lot, mm -hmm. you know? Um, what, what does it mean to be connected to God? Yeah. Could I be connected to God and still have all this other stuff going on in my life, you know, all this worldly stuff? We're, we're in the world, we're not of the world, right? So it's, it's not about getting rid of all your worldly possessions because everything that around us, uh, that's around us, God uses, right? It's that verse that you use, um, love the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, strength, right? And with everything that you have, um, let it be dedicated to his purposes. Um, sanctification, right? Being set apart, having a purpose in mind, right? Um, and that's how we can test ourselves and know that we're connected is by the fruits, right? So staying connected, again, it's nothing that we can, like, do. <laughs> well, you were talking, sorry, you were talking about marriage. You were talking about your own marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, did you find yourself having to give anything up when you got married? Yes. <laughs> now you're reminding me. <laughs> yeah. So, and we, we, we did touch on this earlier. It's about sacrifice, right? It's about, and um, it goes back to that uh, in, in Luke 9.23, right? Deny yourself, um, take up your cross and follow me. It's about sacrificing because when you're um, serving your partner in marriage, right? These things that, they, it's called a sacrifice, and it looks like a sacrifice. And to others who don't know what it's like to, to have that kind of relationship, to live that life, it seems like a burden. It seems like a hassle, right? But when you're in a committed relationship, when you're in a loving relationship, and your wife who's pregnant says, I want Pundasol and not the one from No Frills. I want the one from Almin's Bakery that just opened up at 6 o'clock. Nice plug. You get up. And you drive over there and you pick up some fresh pundasol and it's not a burden to you. It's a joy to you, right? Because you're able to, to provide something um, that your partner wanted, right? And when we're, when we're doing these things to sacrifice for God, it looks to others, it looks like a sacrifice. It's like they look at your life and like, I, I couldn't do that. You know, I can't imagine because they don't know, right? But the people who know, the people who have that relationship, they understand the joy that you get from service, from sacrifice, from living that life of purpose for God, right? There is a purpose to it, and you could feel the joy because you can understand what it's like to be in that, that same relationship. Yeah. 
And if there's no sacrifice, then there's no love again, right? Because if, if you can't sacrifice for that other person, right? If you can't sacrifice for God, I love you, but I don't want to give up my gambling. I don't want to give up my drinking. I don't want to give up, you know, um, going out partying. I don't want to give those things up, right? And like loving God is about submission. It's about giving up the past ways. It's repenting and turning away and not just trying to stop doing those things. It's filling that up with those God activities, those God-minded things, keeping your eyes on, on the things above, right? Because it, it's not enough to say, okay, I'm not going to go to the casino and gamble anymore. Because then you're just sitting at home and you're thinking, I wish I could go gambling. But if you could replace that, it's about replacing it with something, um, yeah, something that, that is, is uh, life-giving, life-bringing, right? Studying his word, serving other people, um, because um, it's, that's, that's the way that we can express our, our love to God, is by basically uh, serving other people, right? And I know that that's, that's my last section here, but before we get to that, um, I just want to remind you for what we have here in Hebrews 6 verse 10. Did we not do Romans? No. Oh. Okay, fine. We'll do the book. Okay. <clears throat> Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. So sometimes there's you know these we're, we're faced with a choice and you see you're walking by this person who needs help and you decide to give them some money or give them some food or sit down and, and talk with them and, and pray with them right and it's something that you do and then nobody sees it nobody notices right and you're like you you have this this good feeling in yourself but you're like ah nobody saw i'm not gonna get it didn't get posted on social media it's not going viral you know, you, you help someone, you held the door open, someone didn't even, rec they didn't know your name, or you shoveled the driveway uh, of your, for your neighbor and it was snowing a lot and you knew that they weren't feeling well and you saw that it was already nighttime and it wasn't shoveled in, you did it and they didn't see that you did it, right? Sounds like a personal experience though. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I know. I, I did it a lot. It's okay. I don't need, you know, I don't need their recognition and thanks for it because... God sees all those things. When you're there to serve other people, you're not, uh, you're there serving them, but you're working for God, right? Mm -hmm. Even when you're at your job, you're not working for your boss, you're working for God. Mm -hmm. And God knows your heart. He knows when you're working for Him, right? Let other people talk about you and say, oh, he's just doing that for the recognition or he's just trying to get noticed. He's trying to get a promotion. God knows your heart. God knows the purpose of, of why you're doing those things. And it will not go unnoticed and will not go unrewarded. Mm -hmm. Not to say we're not here preaching the prosperity gospel. I'm not going to say that you're going to get money and wealth and fame over here on this earth. You might never get those things. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee where your heart is, like where you put your treasure, that's, that's where your heart will be. Mm -hmm. So when you put your treasure where, and you put your value on godly things, right, that's where your treasure will be. So you might not get recognized down here by men. But you will always be recognized. You will all be, always be noticed 
God always sees uh, what you're doing and how you're living, and he knows not just the actions that you do, but he knows the heart that's behind it, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have that heart of service, don't worry if you're not getting recognized. God is recognizing you. God sees those, those things that you do, mm -hmm. right? And when you do those things, so the one way, the, one of the, the best ways for us to show our love for God is by loving other people, by serving others, right? Mm -hmm. Because without serving others, how do you show your love for God, right? You could pray to him, but you can't give him a sandwich. You can't shovel his driveway, right? You can't take him out for a movie, <laughs> right? Like to, to actually interact with God, you could talk to him, right? But um, love is not just words. It's about deeds. It's about actions. It's about, you know, living in, in that truth. Um, and when we look at James 2.17, this is one that we all have heard before. In the same way, faith by itself, it if, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So faith without works, right? Um, but I also want to remind you of, in Ephesians, uh, well, First John goes with that. Yeah, we can do First John as well. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So when we love someone, it's, it's through actions. Because have you all heard of the, the love languages, right? And they call it a love language, but it's not different ways of speaking to one another. It's different ways of interacting with one another, right? Through time, through food, through gifts, through different things, right? Love language is the action, like your the the love action that you have with another people with other people. How do you interact with them? How do you give love? How do you receive love? How do you like to receive it? But it's this action word. It's not just how you speak to other people, right? Um, and so to to really be able to express and to respond to God's love for us, it's by serving His people, putting into action the love that we have and the the you know these these things that we learn. Um, it's only by uh, serving other people that we're able to, to show the lo love for God. And it's not that this love is what saves us. It's not you know, that um, we, we want to do these things um, to, to prove our love to God. It's, um, yeah, to gain points and to earn salvation, right? It's not about earning salvation because there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Uh, Ephesians 3.20, is that it? Um, you have been saved by faith through grace that, uh, that no one should boast. Um, two, two, eight to 10. Yeah, I knew it was somewhere around there. <laughs> I knew it was in Ephesians verse. But uh, it's um, these good works were prepared uh, before us. Right, they're prepared so that um, for in advance for us to do. Right, it's not our works that save us; um, it's God's grace that saves us. These these works that we do is simply a response to what we've already experienced uh, from God Himself. Right, again, God loved us first, and in response, this is how we show our love back to Him. This is how we show our commitment back to Him. This is how we live out our purpose on earth is by serving other people. 
Um, you know, when you're talking about uh, making that decision that to choose to commit, right? Um, before my wife, before she married me, she would ask me questions like, what would marrying you look like? You know, and she wanted me to kind of paint a picture. She didn't want to go in there, you know, not, not knowing, you know. Um, and, and just asking that question is, is like, what is it going to look like? Um, and I had a plan. I had a picture. And I was able to, to kind of paint that picture for her. And God kind of does the same thing for us here as well, right? It's like he saves us and he chooses us. And then we choose to commit to him, and it's like, okay, this is the plan. You know, it's like, we're going to work this out, yeah. right? Um, and he had this planned in advance for us to do. So even before he calls us, he knows what he's calling us to. He knows what he saves us for. And um, he knows that there's something about what he's offering that's worth us denying ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's worth us choosing to commit to him mm -hmm. because he's not going to let us go empty handed. He's not going to let us go like, okay, come follow me and sucks to be you because this yeah. is what you chose. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love that passage that you're bringing up here. Mm -hmm. um, God has a plan. Yeah. And when we commit, we're committing to joining him in his plan. Yeah. Right. And you reminded me of something I forgot to mention even at the beginning of this. When it comes to the choice, right, it's, it's not just, like if you think about it, it's not choosing God and choosing this world. It's literally choosing life or death, mm -hmm. right? Because anything that you choose that is not of God, that is not following Him, it can only lead to death, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so when we make these choices and God's saying, you know, love me, have faith in me, trust me, commit to me. He's saying, choose life, right? Choose life. Because if you live your own way, right? If you do it your own way and, and follow the world, it can only lead to death. There's, there's no other choice. It's either you choose God and you choose life, right? And anything that you do, oh, I'm doing good things. It's not God things, but it's good things. Good things still lead to death, right? Because they're still boastful and prideful. Look at what I've done, the good that I've been able to do, right? Don't be, don't serve. I hate to use her as an example, but Ellen, right? We see, oh, she's so kind. She's so good. Look, she gave this person $10,000, right? And um, she's able to help this family and that and give them a vacation and all these things, right? You can do good things, but then in what power are you doing those things? Right? Because if it's not from God, then who's it from? It could only be from yourself, right? If it wasn't God that, that this love came from, then it came from me. That's pride, right? And, you know, pride comes before the fall, right? <laughs> so it's good to be uh, boastful, but not in what we do. Be boastful in what God has done for you and what yeah, God has done right. through you. Right? Um, John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We are commanded to love one another. We show our love for God by loving others. Um, how can we love God? who we cannot see, 
if we don't love others who we see who are right in front of us, right? That's from 1 John, one of the things that I read. 1 John 4, um, chapter 4, verse 20, right? So God is saying, like, if you can't even love this guy who's in front of you, how can you say that you love me, right? If you're not willing to, to serve other people, to love other people who are right there, you could touch and you can feel them. Can you touch me? Can you feel me? Can you, you know, hear me, right? No, he's all around us, but he's, he's not in this physical realm. He's in this realm that we can't see right now. And we do have this realm that we could touch, feel, and see, right? Jesus was that incarnate. He was here, and he showed us how to do those things, right? How to love those people uh, around him. But that's what, you know, I want you to remember as you go through everything that you do when you're at work, right? You're not in this church environment anymore where everybody is friendly, everybody loves God, everybody trusts God, and then, you know, you can talk freely about him. But that's why I know Uncle Manny, I've been with him to conferences, right? Uh, these, these work conferences where we're learning about life insurance. He never stops talking about God. That's not a bad thing. And I love to hear it, right? He's not ashamed. He's not afraid to help other people, to proclaim who Jesus is, right? To talk. I wish that we could all be like him, right? Because he's, he's, you know, a great example. I wish that I could be more like that. I, but we, I don't have that character, right? <laughs> I don't have that character. I wish I could. But it's, he has, he's um, unabashedly following like Christ and serving him in everything that he does, giving rides to people. And that's, it's not just talking about God. It's giving rides. It's helping people, right? Um, bringing them, talking with them, spending time with them, taking them out, um, bringing them food, like all these different things, right? But that's how you show God's love is by, by loving his people, all the people that are around him, right? Because we can't, again, you can't give God a sandwich, but you can give a sandwich to that guy that you pass by in the street, right? And that's how you, you show your love for him, by loving his children, right? And I want to close off by, doesn't seem like it fits. It's like a weird verse to go in here. But if we look at um, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, right? So this is what happens when you uh, invite the Spirit in, you invite God into your life, God dwells in you and from the inside out, right? When you're connected to the vine, this fruit just happens. It happens. You stay connected, you serve, you love others, you devote your time to God, you're praying continually, right? Um, you're always giving thanks in these things. This fruit will just happen. And the fruit of the Spirit develops in us as God measure, uh, matures us spiritually. The faith he grows in us is meant to drive us toward good works that reveal him above all. He is committed to complete the good work that he has begun in us as we continue uh, committed to lead lives of love and service to him and his kingdom. So when we bear fruit, right, and you think of the sower of the seeds, right, and, you know, that's, the, the Holy Spirit is, is sowing these seeds all around. And when we um, bear this fruit, right, we don't have to carry this big wagon of fruit around with us, <laughs> right? Uh, when, you, when you have a, a bunch of oranges, 
what do they produce? Like what's inside the oranges? Orange juice. Orange juice. Orange seeds, right? Like how do you get more oranges? Through the, the seeds from the orange, right? And if you have apples, how do you get more apples? Through the apple seeds, right? But you're not going to get apple seeds from oranges and you're not going to get orange seeds from apples, right? So when you have this loving, uh, this love in your life, love breeds love, kindness breeds kindness, right? Mm -hmm. Peace breeds peace. Um, you sow these seeds in your life uh, with the life that you live in serving others. And this is how we bear fruit. Because everybody who's here is here because someone else along the way did something kind for them, spoke with them, right? It could have been your parents. It could have been Uncle Manny, most likely, right? <laughs> most likely, he sat with you at a coffee shop and he said, welcome to Canada, by the way. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> oh, by the way, this person is also single. <laughs> right? But it's living our lives and, and living in this way, like we were all brought here because uh, someone uh, had that time, they spent that time to love on us, right? To spend time with us, to show us what God's love really was. And that's why we're here, right? Not a single person here was not loved by someone from God. I guarantee it, right? Wherever you go, in every single church, in every single Bible study group, every person who attends there is a seed that was sown, right? This Holy Spirit drops these seeds, right, in our lives. It grows in us. This fruit of the Spirit grows in us. And then it gets to this point where we now develop seeds. So the seeds are growing in you. The, the fruit of the Spirit, these seeds are growing in you. It's our job now to basically make this choice, take this commitment, live on purpose, and go out into that world, spread that seed, and live for God.